grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is from the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus' parable, where he says, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. Dear friends of Christ, C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite Christian authors, has written a beloved children's book, and many of you at least know it by name, The, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Now, what makes this story so appealing is that we can put ourselves into the midst of that story. We become, and we can relate to the characters. Lucy, who is innocently following the lion. We can relate to the lion because the lion in the story is Jesus. He's terrifying, yet loving. He's terrifying, and yet he protects his people. And then we can relate to Edmund, how he deals with temptations and, and, and you know, falls into Satan's trap. We can deal with the evils in the land of Narnia and the darkness that lives in the land. You know, C.S. Lewis was a great storyteller. And he, he taught the kids how to trust and depend in Jesus. Well, Jesus was a good storyteller too, right? And he, what he would do is he would tell stories, we call them parables, parables. And of course, this morning, Jesus transports us into a different world. He transports us into a vineyard, and there we are in the vineyard. And in the vineyard, we learn a truth about Jesus and a truth about His church. And in transporting us in this story, we learn about a stone, a cornerstone. And so our theme, the rejected stone, is the cornerstone. Now, our parable this morning, it talks about the owner of that vineyard. And then it talks about the wicked managers who manage the vineyard for him, the tenants. And the parable launches into this whole world, this world where people hate Jesus. This world where people hate the things of God. This world where people hate the rules of God, the laws of God, the word of God, the followers of God the people of God, the servants of God. A world where people hate anyone who follows God or talks about Him. Jesus is a good storyteller. There was an owner of a vineyard. In telling this story, Jesus is talking directly to the spiritual leaders. They get His point. The spiritual leaders who weren't following Christ, he wanted them to think, 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 think. Were they friends of the kingdom of God or were they enemies of the kingdom of God? And what will God do to the enemies of the kingdom of God? How will he treat the enemies? And in Isaiah chapter 5, the Old Testament lesson that we read we learn that God's kingdom, His vineyard, 
are the people of God. You are God's vineyard. You are God's kingdom. You are the kingdom of God. Living in you is Christ. And God loves you. And he cares for you as a owner of a vineyard would care for his grapes and fertilize his grapes and water his grapes and nurture his grapes. God loves you and he feeds you with his word and he provides for you on a daily basis, not just your physical needs, but your spiritual needs. And what is it, why does the owner of a vineyard care for his grapes, care for his vines? Because he wants a harvest. He wants a profit. And God wants a harvest. He wants a harvest of souls. Eventually, the grapes in the vineyard are harvested. And the profits of the grapes are gathered. And the owner, well, he should get his share of the profits, his share of the grapes. But the tenants decide that they're not about to share the tenants get greedy and decide they're going to keep the whole thing for themselves. They wanted the profits. What would you do to people like that? How would you treat such managers of your vineyard? What would you do to guys like that? And what would the court of law, what would, if, if we were to take them to the court of law, even in our day, what would the court demand? That they pay? Well, that's the point of Jesus' story. And, and Jesus' story is grabbing the attention of his audience and his messengers. The owner sends some messengers. And they treat them badly. The messengers who ask for part of the prophets, and of course, one of the messengers they beat, the other messenger they killed, and the third messenger they stoned. The crowd listened to the story. And I bet you can hear a, peer, a pin drop. The story was accomplishing its purpose, and Jesus was hitting his target audience. How would the landowner deal with the tenants? How would the landowner deal with the bad guys? What would the landowner do? Surely the landowner would send his lawyers. Demand that the guys pay. And kick him out of his vineyard. That's not how the story went. To the surprise of the audience, Jesus was telling a different story. And, and so the landowner decides to send more servants, more than the first time. And again, they treated those guys the same way. They, they beat them, they stoned them, and they killed them. Well, what would the landowner do now? What would the landowner do now? Surely he'd get the police involved. You know, ransack the place, take it over, kick the tenants out, make those greedy murder murderers pay. I bet the crowd gasped when Jesus continued his story. Finally, the landowner sent his son. Well, surely not. 
Surely the landowner wouldn't be so foolish as to send his son. I mean, they just killed all the messengers. The landowner surely is smart enough. Listen, this isn't a good story. What's he doing? What's going on here? A landowner, nobody's that foolish. Surely the landowner would not sacrifice his own son. And again, the crowd gasps as Jesus finishes the story. And the tenants killed the son. Oh no, they said. You can hear the crowd. Oh no. Why did the landowner do that? This is a terrible story. I don't like this story at all. It doesn't have a happy ending. But the question still remains, doesn't it? What is the landowner going to do with the bad guys, with those wicked tenants? What's going to happen to them? The tenants were, listen, they were intentional in their plot. They said, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and take his vineyard. (laughs) The people waited for Jesus to finish the story. What would the owner do? But Jesus wanted them to finish the story. And he asked, when therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? And Jesus had the audience right where he wanted them. And immediately fell right into his trap, and they exclaimed, He'll put those wretches to a miserable death. That's what they deserve. They killed the son. They killed the son. Do you know what those words must have meant to Jesus? They killed the son. At this point, Jesus must have been holding back tears. The people standing before him, they just finished the story, demanding justice for the owner of the vineyard, that those wicked tenants be put to death, and yet these people who are demanding justice for the owner of the vineyard would demand no justice for him when Jesus is on trial. For these were the same leaders of Israel who would shout, crucify him, and then lead a mock trial to his crucifixion. Crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. God's people have a long sordid history of of not wanting to hear God's word. Of prophets, the people of God speaking God's word, and the people saying, I don't care what that pastor says. I don't care what that messenger says. I don't like it. I don't like what he's saying. I don't like the rules. I don't like the way we have to do things. And often things didn't go well for the prophets of God. God would send the messengers and they'd kill the messengers and they'd stone the messengers and they'd beat the messengers. People hated the prophets. And things are no different today. Listen, God's word is not received well in our world today. There are some messages of Christ, some messages in the Bible that if we were to proclaim them boldly, we'd have a crowd, a riotous crowd outside our door saying, that's no sin. How dare you attack us? Who do you think you are? 
We want to hurt you. They hated the messengers. Now, think of poor, poor Jeremiah. I mean, he didn't want to be a prophet anyway because as soon as God picked him, he said, the people are going to hate me. I don't want anybody to hate me. And sure enough, they, he preached the word of God. He proclaimed the word of God. They threw him down into a muddy pit to die, you know, a muddy well to die. And it wasn't that the people were worshiping other gods. They were worshiping God. They were worshiping Elohim. They were worshiping Yahweh. It's just they wanted to worship the other gods too. They wanted to be like all the other pagans. They wanted to live like the rest of the world. They wanted to be like all the other people. They wanted to enjoy the temple prostitutes and enjoy the pleasure of, you know, that, of all of that. Of all that sexual immorality and They wanted to live like the pagans, like the unbelievers, be just like them. Just worship God too. And so the prophets come along and said, you can't repent, change, you can't do that. And they killed the messengers. They not only refused to repent, They killed the people who brought the message. Now, what is the owner of the vineyard going to do to people like that? Now, now Jesus shows up in the vineyard. He comes into the world. What will the people do to Jesus when, when Jesus starts talking to these guys and says, you must change, repent? Listen to Jesus' words as he talked to these guys. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs on which, uh, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead man's bones and everything that's unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear as people that are righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. What are the people going to do to the messenger, to the son of the vineyard? Who talks to them like that? And we know what they did. They killed him. They rejected the prophets that brought God's word, and they rejected the Son, who is the very word of God himself. Did you know the Bible calls Jesus the Logos? He's the word of God. The very word of God in human flesh. If you've seen me, you've seen God. I and my Father are one. When I speak, God speaks. And they killed the voice of God. That's what the wicked tenants did. They killed the son. What would the owner of the vineyard do to those wicked tenants? Well, when the story was done, Jesus told the meaning of the parable. And, of course, he made the application. Have you, have you never read the Scriptures? He said, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Now, the Jewish leaders knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. He knew exactly what, to what Jesus was inferring. He was accusing them for killing the Messiah. Listen, this, this is a psalm. We read it in our psalm today. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. 
This was, a, this was what the people of Israel would do when they came to the temple to worship. So if you lived in, in Jerusalem and you approached the temple, this is what you would do. You would approach this magnificent building, and as you would approach, you, you, would, you would say, the stone the builders re- rejected has become the cornerstone. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Who would reject the stones? That's the temple of God. Who would reject the stones? That's God's presence among us. How could the stone be rejected? And yet Jesus is a stone, and Jesus is accusing them, the stone will be rejected. They deny the one who sent him. Oh, the story is powerful. The story is magnificent. And the application of the Old Testament is even more powerful as Isaiah himself prophesied that this Messiah would come, that this Messiah would be the cornerstone rejected, that this Messiah would be rejected by the people and killed by the prophets, by, by the leaders of the church. And how could they not see it? How could they not see? How could they be so blind as to not see and so deaf as to not hear? Jesus is the rock of our salvation. He's the cornerstone of life. He's the cornerstone on which the church is built. The cornerstone of our salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Do you know what they do when they build an arch? Back in the, in the, in the New Testament, they would have to take uh, stones that are all properly cut and you'd have to very carefully place them as, you, as they go up. And then there was that stone that had to be perfect, st- a strong stone right in the middle, middle that whole, held the whole arch would be supported in that capstone. They call it the capstone. And if that capstone wasn't placed right and that capstone wasn't perfect and that capstone wasn't strong, the whole arch would collapse. No, Jesus is the stone of our strength. He's a carefully selected stone. He's the perfect stone. He's the stone of strength. He's the stone without flaw, without sin, the stone of our salvation. He's the stone that the builders rejected. The father sent his son into the vineyard and they killed him. The Lord had none of that, so he raised him from the dead. And the psalm says it's marvelous in our eyes. The stone was rejected and it came back to life. It's marvelous in our eyes. The stone lives. The stone has power. And this is the stone upon which we build our salvation. This is the cornerstone, not carved or hewn by human hands, but this stone was carved by God, hewn by God, shaped by God, prepared by God, sent by God. This is the stone, the rock, that enables us to understand exactly what the psalmist wrote with his words. Again, listen to the rest of the psalm from which Jesus quoted. It's about the rejected stone. The Lord is my strength and my song. He's become my salvation. 
Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. And I will not die, but I will live. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter and give thanks to the Lord. And then speaking of death, the psalmist continues. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I thank you that, I, that you have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. And it's marvelous in our eyes. So let us marvel at the rock. The rock that never changes. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.